This is Solidarity, Wyoming. Wyoming is a foundational area in the extraction and exploitation of fossil fuels. Coal, oil, and gas have sustained the white settler state economy of Wyoming for decades. Wyoming is settler colonialist occupied land. Wyoming's current and newly re-elected U.S. Representative Liz Cheney is the epitome of settler colonialist leadership from a family that has been made unbelievably wealthy by fossil fuels, as well as the industries of weapons and war. In this recent election cycle, Cheney's opponent for re-election in the general election was Lynette Graybull. Graybull is a northern Arapaho activist who has done work both in Washington, D.C. as a policy lobbyist and at places like Standing Rock in support of water defenders there. No media outlet, no public advocacy group, no mainstream political party or organization in Wyoming ever bothered to explore the relationship of Grable's challenge to Cheney to settler colonialism, the impending collapse of the fossil fuel industry, and relations with indigenous people. When I talked to Grable, we explored some of these issues, but I also wanted to just talk about how she was doing and get her thoughts on what the Wyoming Democratic Party needs to do to actually start posing a legitimate challenge in these national races. Because it especially hurt to see a candidate like Lynette Graybull fighting this fight with such limited resources, without the kind of aggressive party support underdog candidates need. Before we hear this discussion with Lynette Graybull, please allow me to ask for your support. We're the only media outlet in Wyoming raising these kinds of issues. And in order to keep doing that, we need your support at patreon.com slash solidarityhouse. Your support at patreon.com slash solidarityhouse makes it possible to make this content available to the public for free. So if you like this content and think it's important for Wyoming and the world, please become a subscriber for $5 a month or more at patreon.com slash Solidarity House. And now, my discussion with Lynette Grable. Um, I took some time to rest and take some time off um, the grid, so to speak. Um, however, I, I probably need some more time to rejuvenate and reflect on things. But overall, I am very honored um, and feel proud of running the campaign um, the way that I did um, and with the people I, I choose to join the team with. So um, overall, I'm, I feel good about the race. Because I know a team can kind of make or break you, right? Absolutely. You know what? In the beginning, I, I chose and selected people that I've worked with, especially in Washington, D.C. Um, and so the, during the primaries, um, I, I had a really solid team. Um, however, I think some of the hiccups that we found during the primaries, um, I wanted to kind of smooth out and address during the general. So um, I had to kind of revamp my team in the general. Um, you know, when we talk about politics and we talk about running a campaign and we're talking about getting your messaging out there. You know, I, I also think it's important to kind of be transparent on who you are and transparent on the work that you've already done. Um, I think when people are looking to vote for a candidate, they're looking to see who the person is. What are their values? What are their standards? Um, what do they deem as, as uh, 
uh, things that are that are um, I would say uh, built in, in integrity. Um, how would this person work under pressure? How would this person make decisions on my behalf? Um, and so those are the things that I thought about. Um, and then and moving forward with the with a kind of a new revamped campaign team, um, I would be quite honest. You know, one of the hiccups that I found. Uh, working with the team that I had in during the primaries was that um, they wasn't really inclined on running a campaign in a race in a rural state. Um, so, for example, I I think I, I'm an organizer at heart. I, I think I will always be an organizer. I've been an organizer since I was 24 years old. Um, and I like, you know, getting the community together, getting people behind an issue, getting people behind a candidate. Um, and so what's important is, is that it's a lot different organizing and kind of, you know, building momentum in a candidate and in a race um, in a in an urban setting state um, versus a state that is full of rural communities, um, and then you add the whipped cream whipped cream and icing of having to live through a pandemic and run a race uh, made it just a hundred times harder. Um, and so, you know, we had to kind of be kind of selective on how we move forward and running the campaign. Um, but I wanted people who understood what. Wyoming was and what Wyoming is and what Wyoming needs to be in the future um, moving forward and what does Wyoming politics look like um, and so moving forward I, I did keep some of the some people some of the core people of my campaign in the primaries but added uh, some different um, um, people to the team that who understood Wyoming that worked in Wyoming um, that knew, understood the politics of Wyoming um, and I thought that was important moving forward. I, I may have just missed some of the primary camp, more of the primary campaign, but it seems like when you won the primary, your message uh, became very sharp uh, and it was uh, very direct. Uh, and it seemed to, in many ways, cut at the core of what, uh, you know, Liz Cheney and sort of that whole uh, class of politician represented for Wyoming and represented for, um, for, for you and, and the, the, the values and people that you hold uh, to, to you. Um, and so I'm wondering, was that a conscious decision after the, uh, after the, the end of the primary? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I knew, you know, like I stated before, I, at first I wanted to be transparent on who I was um, and the work that I've already done um, and kind of paint the picture of who I was to the state of Wyoming. Um, but secondly, I wanted to show the contrast between me and Liz Cheney. Um, and there was a huge contrast between us. I think our values are different. Um, the way we view politics is different, um, you know, and, and she comes from an elite family of politicians. Um, and, you know, I think they veer more towards uh, the spotlight of the whole, you know, form of, of being a politician um, and then also, you know, moving up the ladder, which we all know Representative Liz Cheney has 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 accomplished. You know, she's a third ranking GOP leader um, in her party. Um, and I feel looking anybody who looked at her voting, you know, uh, stats will show how she votes and how she um, reflects, you know, I think more so herself as a politician versus the people of Wyoming. Um, so as a citizen of Wyoming myself, I didn't see any um, 
um, voting reflection that would actually impact my life and the life that the community that I live in. Um, and, and, you know, it's fair to say the community that I live in kind of reflects all of the community, uh, various communities across the state of Wyoming, because we're all rural, and we're all small, and we're very unique. Um, and so, yes, the messaging, uh, you know, painting the picture, the contrast, uh, that was definitely um, something that was prioritized. Um, and then also, you know, just showing people who I was and who I am and who I will continue to be, um, which will I, will I will continue to strive for people. Um, you know, I think the working class overall nationwide when it comes to politics is not um, found easily represented. Um, and I wanted to be sure that it was it was a, a message that I put out there that, you know, I'm here for the regular day to day people. Um, and so that also was a targeted message as well. Something else I think that the Cheney, you know, family represents and I mean, you can't always choose your family, but, uh, but Liz Cheney seems to have chosen her family. Uh, and something else that they represent is the extraction industry. Uh, and so I can't help but feel like um, there was, you know, something about uh, this race and, you know, in this particular race and uh, kind of how, who I wanted to align with uh, that also painted to me a big, a kind of a larger, almost historical significance. And that's not on you and it doesn't have to be on you, but did you feel that? Absolutely. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a Native American. I was the first Native American person um, in the history of Wyoming to file for a federal seat. Um, that alone was historic. But, you know, also being Northern Arapaho, but I'm also, you know, Lakota from the Standing Rock Sioux tribe. Um, most of us are, you know, inclined on what happened in Standing Rock a few years back, you know, when we were, we were trying to protect our water and trying to, you know, come against the extractive industry um, that was that successfully, you know, implemented a, a you know, some, some oil pipeline um, across the Missouri River there. Um, and so, you know, it's, you know, when I talk about Standing Rock, you know, the, the, the Standing Rock camp and protest took place in Cannonball um, on the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. Um, Cannonball is actually exactly where my family is from. My, my grandparents are buried there. My father is buried there. I plan to be buried there one day. Um, and so it's, it was an emotional um, you know, thing for myself personally, um, when, when the Staten Rock, Staten Rock movement was taking place. Um, and then here I am, never would I've imagined, you know, several couple years ago being in Staten Rock and here, you know, here I am going against uh, Representative Liz Cheney, who is actually the, the probably, um, I would say even a spokesperson for the extractive industry, um, you know, going against such a, a powerhouse like herself, you know, she, she leans towards uh, representing and working for the extractive industry <clears throat> because she thinks it's the best interest of Wyoming. Um, quite, I feel quite differently than that because the best interest of Wyoming is to keep, uh, to ensure not only the safety of our environment, um, our climate, um, and the beautiful uh, you know, nature and elements that we have here in Wyoming and for to protect that. But also, you know, the argument of, of keeping Wyomingites employed, um, I didn't think she had a strong, um, um, she didn't have a strong stance in that. And what I mean by that is, you know, when she first ran rate, her race 
for U.S. House of Representatives in the state of Wyoming, she said she would increase jobs. Well, even before COVID hit, those numbers were declining. Those numbers were declining in the coal industry. The the Mm -hmm. numbers were declining in the the oil and gas industry. Um, We continue to continue to see it decline. And even after we come into a place of recovery in the wake of COVID, I do believe that we're going to still continue to see these industries um, to continue to decline. So for people like me and you, we understand the importance of moving towards renewable energy, understanding the importance of moving towards um, um, a new energy industry will not only keep our Wyomingites employed, but also will do better for our climate and our and our and our earth overall. Candidates that I've talked to have said, for example, if they're running as Democrats, that they're often surprised that they talk to some Republicans who believe exactly what they believe. Um, and then, of course, there's also you know, times when you're going to encounter people that believe very differently and uh, may even be uncomfortable uh, with a candidate that doesn't look like them or doesn't look like they think a traditional candidate should look. Um, what, what was it like overall uh, campaigning around the state? Well, first of all, during, because of COVID, I wasn't able to get out to the many rural communities that I wanted to, but the, the few that I did, um, I was able to talk to Republicans. I was able to have conversations with with uh, coal, uh, previous coal and oil and gas industry um, and workers, um, and those conversations were long and they were they were difficult for myself to listen to, because not only was I listening to somebody who are suffering and losing possibly losing their house and losing a lot of different things because of of losing losing employment they also will still vote Republican. So quite often we see Republicans vote against their own interests. And I think it's because, uh, well, I think of many factors, but I think one of them is that we're in a dangerous place in, in politics. Um, people, are, people are choosing, you know, who they like the most because versus the actual policy uh, legislation that would actually help them they're, they're choosing the person. So for example, we're seeing Republicans choosing Trump instead of, instead of, uh, instead of choosing values and integrity um, and policies um, and things that actually reflect day-to-day people. Um, And so I don't know how we got to this place. I think the, I think uh, the president administration did a, and president Trump's administration did a good job on dividing us, um, not only socially, but politically. Um, and I do believe it's gonna take some unique leaders uh, moving forward, not only in, in, the, in the White House, but also across the, across the board in Congress uh, to help heal our country and bring us back together where it's not us against them. And, that, and that's something that I also spoke to during my campaign um, is that, you know, it's not an us against them, you know, look at the values, but how do we, you know, my, my problem was how do we, how do, even if I'm having conversations with, with people who are suffering and who I want to help, you know, how do we get past this? Um, I'm going to die for my party, so to speak, um, and put party affiliation over everything. Or literally, uh, or literally die, as, yeah. as the case may be with, uh, with COVID. COVID. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, how do we get to a place where we get to a place where we're just back to being people and being neighbors and being, you know, we live in the same town. How do we get back to that? Um, and I think that's a question for for all of, <clears throat> of Americans. You know, how do we get back to that place? Um, we shouldn't hate each other because we have different party affiliations or we have different policy views. Um, and I think that was the, the thing that probably um, 
that kind of scratched my head about a lot because I talked about, about people and they, they heard what I would offer if I was in that seat and they agreed with it. However, they were still on the fence on how they were going to vote because they've always voted Republican. Uh, talking about that kind of leadership that has to come at the congressional level, who are some of the rising uh, new uh, leaders in Congress that you would have liked to work with if the campaign had gone differently? Um, you know, I've worked prior to even believe, even choosing to run a race. Um, I have worked with Congressman Deb Holland on a, on a few bills. Right. Um, I've seen and, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I did uh, lobby in Washington, D.C. a few times on the Not Invisible Act and the Savannah's Act, which was passed. Um, but also um, there were some other bills that, you know, I, I hope to see moving forward, especially in the terms of data broadband <laughs> moving forward. So I might just jump back in uh, this next session and make in lobby so that I can make sure that data broadband is delivered to the to the states. Of course, uh, Wyoming being one of them, um, that that is that it's essential is an essential part of life now since we're, we're living through COVID. Um, but yes, Congressman Congressman Deba Holland, um, Con Congresswoman um, Cherise Davis, um, and then there, I have always had a good repertoire with AOC, um, even though she's very hard to get in contact with, uh, but she's always on board uh, when she knows the gist of, of the bill or what, what, is, what is trying to be accomplished. Um, and there's some other ones. I mean, there's, there's some uh, great representatives that just got newly elected um, across, across the nation. Um, but quite honestly, you know, I, I have no fear in working with Republicans. Uh, most of my political career, I worked with Republicans or they were my boss. Um, and so, you know, I think that it just always has to come back to that, that people level type of interaction. Um, I've, I've worked with Republicans on, on other bills on a state level um, and was su successful at it. Um, I just think that we just have to come to a place where we're not viewing each other as so different, but actually viewing each other as how can we come together so that we can bring our nation together as well. What challenges do you feel lie ahead for the Wyoming Democratic Party? And can you, you know, speak to uh, the, you know, there's there's often a kind of perception um, that uh, that the the state party maybe fights with one arm tied behind their back on a lot of these national races, and I'm wondering if you could speak to that too. Yeah, you know, it's definitely hard um, for any Democrat in the state of Wyoming, and especially with the Wyoming Democratic Party. Um, you know, I think that. The Wyoming Democratic Party has grown um, in the last few years. Um, and, you know, I just think that, and, and it all comes down to funding. I know they would want to do a hundred uh, things a hundred times better, but funding is always, you know, something that is important. Um, and I would say one thing that would benefit Wyoming Democratic Party with funding is actually having a full-time organizer. Um, and especially in the place of Fremont County. So a couple years ago, I was the Fremont County field organizer. Um, not only did I work, you know, Carson Lander and Riverton, but I worked across the Wind River Reservation. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done as far as in terms of getting Native Americans to vote. Um, I can tell you just because I've organized on the Wind River Reservation, I've also organized in Navajo Nation several years ago um, and other reservations, you know, you have to get into the community and talk to the people of, um, that live in tribal communities because I can tell you if I had many conversations with 
Native Americans who were like 55 years and older, um, who had never voted, um, who never thought it was a it was essential to vote, um, who didn't believe in the system because they've always been oppressed by the system. Um, they've always looked at white candidates um, and who made promises and never fulfilled their candidates, their promises, I'm sorry, their promises. And so there's a lot of conversation that needs to be had and even education and empowerment um, to uh, the Wind River Reservation. And I would just say all reservations across the nation, um, because as we look at President Biden um, and Harris that just recently been elected to the White House, you can see the impacts of the native vote in the state of Arizona. You know, there was like, I wanna say it was like a 67,000, it might've been clo closer margin, um, but the vote from the Native American communities in White Mountain Apache and Navajo Nation, uh, the northern part of the state really made the, the win for President Biden. Um, and so if we're able to push out, you know, for example, hypothetically speaking, if we're able to push out an organizer to continue to educate the community about the importance of voting and not only voting for native candidates, but just voting overall, you know, um, in a sense, we're gonna get a lot more numbers come the, the midterm. I think it's all about education. You know, being an organizer at heart, I've, I've, I've you know, this is pre-COVID, pre I've knocked on people's doors. I've had sometimes hour conversations with people. People, I've had people in Wyoming tell me they were gonna, they were gonna vote for the candidates that I, that I came to talk about because just because I, they were, they felt a, some sort of respect that I came and knocked on their door and, and handed them some pamphlets about some candidates and had a conversation about them and about their values and what do they feel about this or what do they feel about that? And even talk about the values maybe they didn't agree on. Um, and then I had to draw a picture for them saying, well, what's the lesser evil here? You know, we go for a candidate who has one of your values, you know, compared to maybe another candidate that will lean towards more, more 10 or more of your values. And so those are the types of conversation that needs to be had because I had a lot of those conversations um, in, in past years and people were able to say, you know what, I, you're right. I'm going to go ahead and, and vote this way. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for taking the time. You know, I, because I am a talking, I like to connect with people and I like to talk, you know, I've even been offered dinner and food and all kinds of stuff just because I was knocking on someone's door trying to get people to vote. Um, and then another, well, issue, I'll come I, with you next time if you're getting dinner, <laughs> dinner invitations. Right. I, I mean, I had cookies, I had all kinds of stuff given to me. But I just think that, you know, getting people to vote um, is something, like you said, we just have to mobilize. And I think if we do it statewide um, and get into every community, underst that they understands the importance of them voting, how to vote. You know, there are some people who just don't, they just don't intimidate about it. They don't know how to vote. They don't know when to vote. You know, they don't, they don't want to go down to the courthouse or, you know, there were just other discrepancies that people chose not to maybe put any effort in just because they just didn't know. And so I just think education and empowerment on voting um, even in the in the, the years that are not election years are important to get some more votes, especially in a, a place like Wyoming. Right, we're so unique here. And I think that we can do so much better and do so much amazing things moving forward um, as long as we have every Wyoming night that's going out there to vote. Is it too soon to ask what uh, whether you're going to uh, do this again? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was, I had a great experience. I'm glad that I did it. Um, I learned a lot in a small amount of time. I got connected to amazing people, especially other candidates that, that, that ran the race and didn't win, but I was so happy to be connected with them and I'm able to call them friends now. Um, yeah, I, I, I would definitely have to think about it more, um, but I will say that if I do decide to run, I'm definitely going to do it a year before uh, the time for election day so that I'll have some time to, you know, be in all of the great communities that we have here in the state of Wyoming and get in even in the smaller towns. And I just, I, if I do, I definitely will, will probably do things a lot different because I want people to know who I am and know my values and make sure that I care, they understand that I care about them, which I do, which I still do. Um, and it depends on what's next for me. You know, right now I'm in a place of making decisions, making new career decisions, um, which I haven't decided upon yet. And so, you know, I'm just taking time to reflect on everything and seeing how I can move forward. But one thing I will promise Wyoming that whatever I do forward, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna continue to help the people of Wyoming. Um, it may just be another format, but it's definitely gonna be in a, in a way where I'm continuing to help people. What is it um, to walk the line between, uh, you know, your own values and your, and your, your background and your history uh, and, uh, you know, kind of playing the political game, uh, you know, which often means, if not compromising, at least, you know, being being willing to, you know, uh, sort of walk a, a razor's edge sometimes. Yeah, you know what, I, it is a walk between two worlds, you know, um, I, I come from a family and um, indigenous background where we view the world a lot different, you know, one thing I, I always express because I, you know, in my in my nonprofit work, I'm a public speaker and uh, a keynote speaker, and I speak a lot about indigenous issues. But one of the things um, that I always mention is that, you know, our values is a lot different than the rest of the world's values. You know, our our values don't lie in, you know, having homes and, and material things or, you know, how much money is in the bank. We actually have value on people. Um, and family and connections uh, with people and connections with the earth and the water um, and the elements of this world and making sure those are preserved so that our, our, our generations behind us can, can have these same things. Um, we have a lot of um, um, things that come from the earth that we utilize in our ceremonies. Those things are also important to us. Of course, water um, is important. Um, we place a lot of value on other things. I think most of the world don't see value in. Um, and then um, we place a lot of value on, I'm not saying that other people don't, but you know, family. Family is like the highest priority um, when it comes to living our indigenous way. Um, we put family first, we will drop everything for our family, be there for them, um, especially for those, even the time that we're living in now, we're living in a pandemic. Um, and we lost a lot of people from our reservation. And it was, it was hard to not only comfort my own family, but comfort my neighbors and other families I know um, that had lost loved ones during the pandemic. Um, and, and again, we were still fighting up going, going against a system that didn't treat us equally. And what I mean by that is when the pandemic first hit, um, there were some tribal members of the Wind River Reservation that went to 
um, an ER in Riverton and they were turned away. They were told that they couldn't be helped there, but they took white COVID patients, but wouldn't take native COVID patients. Um, and so these were the things that I look at and these are the things that I view as something needs to be done um, uh, policy-wise, not only on a state level, but on, on a federal level, on a national level, um, so that people who are in need are not turned away, no matter what your color is or what community you come from. Um, and I know for a fact they were turned away because they came from the Wind River community. So it is because, you know, I, I have to, um, you know, remember and honor my cultural ways, but at the same time, I, I have to, you know, kind of play this game of politics um, and policy and, you know, just being lobbying and my legislative efforts, both on a state and federal level, you know, I, I, I know the game, I know it's an angle, I know it's all about buy-ins and, and getting people to um, understand where you're coming from and, you know, leverage and all of those things. And so, you know, it's a different world coming into the political realm versus the community that I actually come from. Uh, wow. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you, you know, just want to say or just want to put out there? If not, that's okay. But I just wanted to, I, I didn't want to end without opening that space for you. Yeah, you know, I'm, and I thank you for that. You know, I, again, I was honored to run this race. I, I had 80,000 people in Wyoming vote for me. And to me, that's still like, wow, <laughs> I'm still blown away by that. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, I have a, a lot of people across the state who have, and not even just the state, just nationwide, who has encouraged me uh, to run again. Um, and so, of course, that's, that's going to be in the back of my mind, you know, in the next year or so. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have connected with so many people despite of the pandemic that we were living in. And I wasn't able to be in a community like I, like I hoped for. I do want to keep pushing forward um, in, a, in helping the, our state um, move in a progressive way. Um, I don't know how that looks like or what that looks like for me moving forward. Um, but I always have a compassion and heart for people. Um, people in need, people who need a voice, um, and I promise to, to, to serve in that manner, um, and hopefully it's in a way where the people that voted me are able to see me make the change that I promised that I would make. <laughs>